This is Eva, aka Eva, the Relationship Maker podcast creator, where we talk about overcoming struggles, about triumphs, successes, relationships, and lives in general. I'm very happy to uh, talk about, about my next guest. And uh, he's not really a guest because he has been running with me the past two podcasts and I'm going to have, this is the third one, and I'm very excited because the, the emphasis is going to be on women. And uh, the gentleman I'm talking about, his name is Jason Matthews. He's a compassionate strategist. Currently, he's focusing on helping men and women create toxic-proof relationships by helping them identify toxic individuals and act with authority and confidence. And how you can reach him, I'm going to let uh, leave it at the end of the podcast. And also it's going to be a write-up uh, on my podcast. Hi, Jason, how are you? Oh, Eva, how are you today, my darling? It's always great to see you. It's so nice to see you, even if it's cold and miserable here in, uh, in Canada. <laughs> It's like we have snow. We had a snowstorm two days ago, so we still have the snow, which is very unusual. In I North prefer the snow to the Arctic weather that we've been getting. It's been brutally cold here in Alberta. Here it's uh, now it's raining, but the wind is like brutal and the mm. humidity. Oh, my God. Uh, no, you don't want to be out. Your hair looks great for being so humid. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, I didn't do much. I just calmed it. Well, you get natural beauty then. What, what can we say? <laughs> oh my God, you are such a sweetheart, a gentleman. And it, I'm happy actually that you said those words because we're going to touch up on some of the things today about in uh, feminism. So mm -hmm. it's like, thank you. It's like without knowing you did that. So when did feminism moved from, and they, they are four stages of feminism, supposedly. The first one was really for the rights of women to vote, for the rights for the women to have equal uh, payments and be able to get jobs. And uh, also for, um, for safe uh, abortions. But somehow what happened, it, it became a, a men bashing kind of, uh, kind of ideology. And as much as they fought for, for everything that you see now, and they got the jobs and uh, they do get uh, paid well, but they are unhappy. What do you think? Why is that, that women, even though they achieved what they wanted, they are unhappy? I think it has to go back to the way that women are perceived mm -hmm. and the fact that instead of looking to be respected as equals, there seems to be this idea that women need to be seen as the same as men. And this is dangerous because this, it doesn't honor women for who they really are. Men and women are fundamentally different. The way that we act, the way we behave, the way that we interact with others, and even the types of physical stress that we can endure, very different for both men and women. And for women to create this delusion that they are the same as men is not only disrespecting the natural authority that women have, 
it also undermines the the abilities that men bring to the table and so it really doesn't it doesn't help anyone and it harms everyone and when i talk about these differences i'm especially talking about the differences in the way that men and women interact with the opposite gender as well as the same gender women by nature are much more empathetic they have a lot more they have a bigger reservoir for compassion and this is really a good thing especially since women are the the ones who carry the child and then are the first real educators of the children having that sense of compassion is absolutely essential and to disregard that as being something that is weak or something that is only expressed by a second class citizen what does that say about the entire human race to have to uh, so quickly want to discard the natural receptive quality that women have and instead focus on being able to compete at the same level as men, which sure, some of them can do for a period of time, but no woman will, no woman will ever be able to um, compete with the caliber or the tenacity that a man will because they don't, they, they don't have that ability. That's not their role. And that's not to say that women are any less regarded than men are. There are roles that there are certain things that women can do much better than men. There are certain things men can do much better than women. And the only thing that we can really do, the only thing that we can really um, rely on is the fact that when we honor these differences and we accept the fact that women are who they are, we respect them for how they were built and we encourage them to act in a way that is supporting all their talents and all their faculties. That is how we recognize the real femininity of women and that we really help them understand how powerful they truly are. I am a woman and I have to bring this up because I'm going to go into some subjects and some of my my opinions, it's only my opinion. I, I am a woman, I love being a woman. I love I, uh, my, uh, my girlfriends and I have lots of them. But what I like about these women and what I like about how I'm living my life, I'm not living as a victim. And I find that women, these days, not everybody, and I'm going to emphasize this, not everybody, but many, many, they live in a, in a way that they are not, they are, they seems that they are victims, even though they have choices. Why is that, do you think? Uh, can, can you be more specific so that I can, I can answer the question more fully? Okay. Uh, there, you're saying there is a competition between men and women, I, mm-hmm. you know, which... Uh, which yeah there there is but there is more competition between women and women and mm-hmm. whenever something happens a woman always comes from the point of view of the victim even like when i talk to women and i'm i'm they are expressing something instead of feeling comfortable expressing it they they raise their voices almost like a question like do you agree with me instead of stating the facts like men do 
And, and I think this goes back to a point that I'd made earlier, because for whatever reason, these natural qualities that women have of being really able to empathize and connect emotionally with people is being seen as a bad thing. And so now what they need to do is instead of owning their feelings, they need to project them onto others, making other people feel guilty for how they've made someone feel when really you have no control about how, how someone feels and being made to believe that you are responsible. Like if I say something and you get upset, my responsibility isn't to manage your feelings. That, that's your job. Mm-hmm. My job is to manage my own feelings. And if you come at me and say, you, you made me feel this way. No, I didn't. All I did was say something that you didn't agree with. And then you chose to express a feeling in a specific way. That's your responsibility. Instead of making me feel guilty for what I had said and forcing me to change the way that I operate or the way that I conduct myself as a man, or even if I were as a woman, just because I was afraid of hurting your feelings, that's toxic behavior. Because now what you're trying to do is control the uncontrollable. You're trying to control another way that a person feels because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Instead of being able to embrace that discomfort and find out how you can overcome that since it's your feeling. Does that answer your question? Yes, it answers my question. And it's interesting because in a couple's relationships, okay, there is also business relationships. Women feel they, it's their job to make the person happy. It's their job to make the employees or, the, or their bosses to please them. And I think that's a big, big uh, burden on your shoulder if you have to always be that person and, 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 and think about that. That's what I'm also, that is also a victimhood. Don't you agree? I would. Um, and what you're doing is you, you're no longer acting within your power. If you are trying to influence another person's emotions, you're trying to control the way they feel, mm-hmm. you are stepping out from where you are most powerful and you are acting weak. And in many cases, this is seen as desperation and actually erodes the confidence that a person can can feel for themselves, as well as the confidence other people have when viewing that individual. For example, the, um, where you said that a woman feels like they have to be the ones that make everyone feel good. Who says, and how do they do that? Are they going to anticipate the needs or the possible reactions of every person? Because that's no different than a wife that's being abused, cha- walking on eggshells in order to keep her husband from from flying off the handle. It, it doesn't work. All that, all of this does is it reinforces the fact that I can't be who I am and I have to focus on your possible reactions, which I can't control, which means that when you react, I, I have no way of knowing what to do in the first place. Yeah. And yes, th- this is very much victim behavior, but it's, it's more of a, of a point of posturing. And especially when you are doing this in order to prove how influential you are. Instead of being a composed individual who knows what they have to work with, how they're going to act and react, and they're going to demonstrate their poise and their confidence, regardless of what anybody says, and show that they're unflappable 
that they can go through life, they can see the storm that's all around them and stay solid. Who do you think is going to be the more influential person? The one who is trying to manage everyone's emotions or the person who shows they are able to weather any kind of chaos without showing an ounce of emotional reaction? It's very interesting. The ones who doesn't show emotions, mm-hmm. but women are more emotional than men. So that is, it's one of the things that women had to learn. I, th- I believe in the long run, how to compensate or how to balance their emotions with what they are doing. And I think that's a good thing. Um, we were talking about how important men are in, kid- in children's life and what they bring to the table, to the sons, to the daughters. Now, the mothers, I find that I love, I, I, many, many couples I know and they had boys and they cannot ha- wait to have a girl because the girl is going to balance the whole dynamics and whatever. And when they have, <laughs> yeah, somehow, and when they have a girl, they put the emphasis on the looks about, oh, you are so beautiful. And when you have a, a, a boy, you say, oh, you are so smart. You are so, you know, like a go-getter. Where is the problem and how could be rectified the problem that the girls not to rely only on their, their, their beauty and, and their physics and their outside, which we see a lot on Instagram, we see on Facebook, Every time you see the selfies, it's like always constantly asking for, for approval or for compliment them. So this is a big problem of why society is the way it is right now. Because when you compliment a, a girl and then a woman on her looks and make that the most important thing, what you are doing is you are sexualizing that female. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that from a very young age, telling them that the only importance they have is their looks and their ability to make others feel, um, in, order, in order to make others feel pleasing to them. That they, they, they are pleasing to others. And this is dangerous because now you are making women feel like their only value is their beauty. So yeah, this is going to mess up a lot of a lot of females. Now, as far as the role that women have in their children's lives, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. The most important educator in a child's life is their mother, because they're the, the first educator in that person's life. They're the ones that teach that woman or that man how to be compassionate how to be compassionate to themselves, how to create empathy for others. And with women, there's also the the need to foster that sense of empathy, foster that that ability to understand one's own self in order to interact with compassion towards others. And what I've noticed, I want to get back to a point that you said before, where women are more emotionally reactive than men are. And I think the reason why this is, is because women are not taught to really understand who they are. And this is extremely important for women because they are mainly receptive. And if they don't know how to manage their own emotions, if they don't know how to identify their emotional self, which is a big part of who they are, if they don't know how to 
uh, really be able to recognize, appreciate, and manage their own emotional selves, they're going to act in a very uncontrolled way, which is going to be very unattractive. And so then the only thing they have going for them is their looks, at least in their mind and the minds of society. But a woman can, can be poised if she understands what she brings to an interaction, her ability to understand what people need, receive what they have to give, um, receive the information, understand how it's going to make others feel, and then provide an answer or a solution or some kind of response with compassion. That woman is going to say, wow, who is this person? Because it's no longer about the looks. It's about how this person interacts with others based on what they know about themselves. You know what's interesting? That many, many times I hear women saying that, oh, the man doesn't want to be with me because he's, uh, um, he's threatened by, by what I do or who I am or that I'm strong uh, and they cannot handle a strong woman. What is your take on that? That's completely false. Um, but actually, there is some truth to that. But here's where the truth lies. It isn't about whether a woman is powerful. It's about whether a woman is projecting strength. The difference is that when a woman is powerful, she is going to just exude it in the way that she is. She doesn't have to do anything to prove it. The way that she acts, the way she conducts herself, and the way that she interacts with other people is going to prove that power. And there's a difference between power and strength. There's a great book written by um, uh, Dave Hawkins, who is a uh, psychotherapist, called Power Versus Force. Mm-hmm. And force is something you try to prove. It's something that you try to exert, whereas power is just something you wield. And wielding power is always going to be much more effective than exerting force. So a woman who knows herself, who can prove that she is powerful, it doesn't matter if she's a farmer, construction worker, a nurse, or any other kind of job. That doesn't matter. What matters is how does she conduct herself in her profession? How does she understand herself? And how does she take that understanding to relate to others? Like we were talking, never the loudest is the, the more powerful, but there is something about them. And you, when you see a person, it's you can feel it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like an energy about them and you want to be close to them. It's very interesting that um, I have two of the books uh, and I'm guilty of it, but I read it long, long time ago. Uh, uh, Gloria Steinem. And she had a she was saying this masculinity is an illness and has to be cured you know when we were talking about toxic masculinity i also read about toxic femininity but this uh this is was in the eight in the 90s i believe or 80s 90s but this describes so much what is going on now and if you look at i was watching some commercials on tv and this is how it goes the woman comes home and always solves a crisis. And it seems like the guy cannot do it. He cannot do anything. He's always in the background, always the woman solves the crisis. And I'm thinking, 
don't tell me that a man doesn't know technology. Don't tell me that a man doesn't know how to turn on an oven. It's, it's one of those things that I totally disagree with when, uh, when uh, people, they put all these things together and they create this, this division, basically, between the men and the women. Do you agree? Oh, I think, I think that's, that is the epidemic. It has nothing to do with masculinity or femininity. The, the, the epidemic is the division. Yeah. And the best way that I was, that, that I have come to understand, or that was described to me to help me understand the difference between masculinity and femininity. Masculinity is a form and a structure. It, it, it's, what, it's what creates definition. And within that definition is the substance that fills that definition in order to make it valuable. The, the stuff that fills it, that is feminine energy. So you've got the man who creates the, the structure or the, the, the masculine individual who creates the structure that is a, like, like a container or some sort of, of um, encapsulating force that allows the expression of what's inside to be as free as possible within that structure because without that structure it just it, it dissipates everywhere and has absolutely no power at all and with without without the the substance the structure has no meaning without the structure the substance has no power mm-hmm. this is why both are absolutely necessary and yes i agree that in many situations a person who has a lot more feminine energy can um, resolve crises a lot more. However, the actions that need to be taken, the solutions that are acted upon are usually the, the things that masculine energy do. I am going to do this to make sure that things can stay calm. There's a leak in the structure. It's, it's my job to fix it. But what happens on the inside, if, if masculine energy tries to, to do the role of, of the substance, it's, it's going to be, um, at, at best, it is going to have a minimal effect. At worst, it's going to screw everything up. We're very good at that. <laughs> well, but, uh, you don't have to go further because women are good too at that. Yes, yes they are. And they're, um, the same goes for women. That if they try to become the structure, the best they can do is have a minimal effect on it. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be as good as someone who has a more masculine energy about them. Mm-hmm. But when they, when they fulfill their role as the substance, they're able to um, perform great, great opportunities. Like, so the, the difference would be the, that um, if talking about a crisis, a feminine energy would probably come up with a solution. So this is what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And the masculine energy is going to be like on it and they just do it. And the marriage of both those things coming up with a solution and then acting on the solution, those take very, very special skills that require a lot of energy. If a fem- if someone who's, who is more feminine comes up with a solution and tries to, tries to apply the solution, something's going to be off. If a person who is more masculine energy tries to come up with a solution that they're going to be putting forth, something is going to be off. There is 
something that, that is lacking. So it's, un, it's really important to understand and honor the roles that exist and be willing to allow the, the energy that, that does best, does, does what it does best, to just do it. And then once it's done, step away and let the other side take it. It's like I wanted to change the room, but I needed to move furniture. Forget for me to move the furniture. I don't have the, the, the stamina to move it. Mm-hmm. I call my neighbors. Thank God I have nice neighbors. So they come and I said, okay, can you bring me on the table or something? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you have to know what is your strength and, mm-hmm. and build on it and use it as, a, as something that it, it pulls people together that helps and uplifts everybody instead of putting a person down because they don't do something or however they do it. The other thing, I was, I was listening to something interesting about, and this is going to be about um, sexual harassment, is I went to a site, it's called Women's Watch. And when I read everything that uh, they writing about what is sexual harassment, I got scared. I said, the man should not even glance at the woman, should not even breathe towards the woman, because it doesn't matter what they do, it's sexual harassment. And I'm thinking, where does it stop? And you know how they're saying that people, there are so many women raped and everything per year. It's not even true the numbers. Yes, it happens, and I'm very sorry when it happens, but the numbers, they don't, get, uh, don't add up. It's creating pure fear to women not to engage with men because you never know what can happen. And I think it's like, I grew up in Europe. In Europe, you walk down on the street uh, from the other side, maybe a guy is going to whistle at you or they're going to say something, it's a freedom of speech, like, and you know if it's right or not, like, I don't know, I, you, you got good legs or something, or, you know, I, like you said, you like your, my hair. And people right away, they jump, they looked across at me, it's sexual harassment, they do this. And they, instead of standing up, they playing the victim and they wait 10 years or they wait five years to come across and say, you know what? Oh, this person sexually harassed me. And it's such a big lie. It's such a big, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's, it's just, doesn't make sense for me. So what you've just described, especially the idea of sexual harassment and where it's come, where it's gotten to is way out of hand because um, there's a movie I love to reference, and it uh, came out in 1984, uh, the original Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and um, the, there's one specific scene, probably lasts about, I want to say about 30 seconds. So it's a very short scene. And it's a scene between Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver after they've been possessed by the demon dogs. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the movie, you'll love it. Or you won't, who cares? Um, Anyway, so they, they've been possessed and Rick Moranis' character is, um, he refers to himself as the key master and Sigourney Weaver's um, possessed character um, refers to himself as, as the gatekeeper. And these are very important distinctions because when the two of them meet and 
Rick Moranis is possessed character says, I am the key master. And so Gordon Weaver's character says, I am the gatekeeper. This is the definition. This is what encapsulates a pure relationship between men and women. Because what you have is you have two ideologies. You have the ideology of consent, sorry, the ideology of intent and consent. Intent is driven by masculine energy. I intend to do this. Whereas the feminine energy is really the the masses of consent. I consent to accepting this. And so if, if you're walking down the street and uh, if there's a woman walking down the street who, who men find beautiful and a man does a cat call or whistles or whatever, that's an intent of saying, oh my God, I think you're beautiful. If the female doesn't respond, that's it. There really should be nothing more to it because now they've denied consent. They haven't looked at the guy. They haven't smiled. They haven't done anything. They, they've ignored it. That, that, that's a denial of consent. At that point, the interaction it ideally is over. That's it. There was an intention that was not accepted. Okay, that's, that's done. When the, so the problem comes when intent or consent changes to demand where the intent is, I demand you pay attention to the way that I'm interacting with you. That's toxic. Mm -hmm. Or consent turns into, I demand that you pay attention to me. That's toxic. And it's also talked to condemn the consent or the intent that is offered. So if if a man has intent to show appreciation and the the, the feminine says, no, you can't do that. That's toxic. There's no, there's no basis for anyone to tell someone what they can or cannot do if it's not, if it's not adversely affecting someone. And just by a person expressing their feelings or appreciation, it doesn't affect anybody. The whole idea of sticks and stones would break my bones, but, but words and, and but um, <laughs> sticks and stones, I, I have to think of the actual term because I use a dirty one way too, way too often. Sticks and stones would break my bones, but names, um, words and names won't hurt me or something like that. Um, and it's, it goes to the idea that it doesn't matter what someone says. The words that people that, that people use have no harm unless you give it harm, which means all you do is harming yourself. It has nothing to do with what other person is doing. You are inflicting that pain on yourself because you are making it worth your while to ruminate and pay attention to it. It's, it's masochistic. But that's what they, they hear. All the girls, especially in the, in the, in the campus, watch out and this and that. But it's, you know, what's it interesting that they fishing for compliments on, on social media. But if it's person to person and somebody's going to, uh, to, to give them a compliment or pay them a compliment, then they react. The, the difference, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out why would you react uh, when you are face to face or close by, and it can be the same thing. Yes, you look nice, or I love how, how you put yourself together and you move on versus to the social media. Well, it has to do with control. With social media, you get to dictate the terms by which a person um, interacts with you. You get to dictate the idea of 
how someone is going to see you, how they're going to react to you. You get to dictate those terms. Basically, what social media has done is it's taken the idea of intent and consent and turned it into demand and control. And so in face-to-face interactions, you cannot control the way that someone is going to interact with you because every person has the ability and the right to control their own interactions. But if you are raised on the idea that you should be the one in control, that raises anxiety through the roof because now someone is interacting with you in a way that you either did not expect or that you are not accustomed to. And so now they take that as being violating their their rights when really that, that's not it at all. What's happening is that you've got two people that are interacting the way that God intended. And one person is under the delusion that they have the right to dictate that, that interaction, which is not, which is not the case because we, we all have the equal ability to interact with ourselves and each other in the way that we believe is is correct for us until we are told i don't appreciate that in which case it's our responsibility to say sorry i'll move on but once that that happens to harp on that that's that also is is toxic to to um tell someone you are wrong for wanting to react the way that you do how dare you decide that you are going to react in a way that you think is right for you i never said you could do that well i don't give a shit what you what you say or don't say It's not your responsibility to, you don't have the authority to dictate how I am going to respond or how I'm going to act. You you don't have that ability. And I think we've lost sight of that because we have this, this small view, whether it be on the phone or computer, we have this belief that we're able to control every single aspect of how people interact with us. And it's a false dichotomy. it's It's a lie. You know what's interesting that women are going to be, how to say, they want what they want. And I find that a woman more is lacking uh, self-confidence, more is going to try to to, uh, to create control over a man. Um, and also when you see what happens at workplace, I think everything has a place where you're going to, to pay that compliment. It's not going to be at work. It's going because that can be misunderstood. Do you believe that the, the place and the, and, the, and the scenario where you pay the compliment has to do with how women respond? Sort of. That's kind of a, of a tricky question because if it all depends on, hmm, that, that, that's actually a really good question. Um, because in, in the workplace, I mean, it really should not matter. If, if I say that, that I like your hair, I think that you have great hair, yeah. um, regardless of whether we are acting as friends or we are in the workplace, that's, it, it's innocuous. It, it is it is um, light enough where it could be appreciated without you thinking that I'm harassing you. Now, it has to go with the idea of respect. And if there's something that you should not say in the workplace, 
it's probably not something you should say to somebody unless you are in an intimate and familiar relationship with them or you've known them for a long time where you know they're, how they're going to react. Mm-hmm. So I would never say, hey, Eva, I, th- I think you're looking mighty fine today. <laughs> that, that's inappropriate <laughs> because for, for, many, for many reasons. And if, if I were to go any deeper than that, that would be especially inappropriate because that's not the kind of interaction you and I have. And unless we developed that kind of interaction, it would be very inappropriate. Same thing goes with any, any other person. In the workplace, there's, it's an area of professionalism. You can appreciate someone while still staying professional. In a social setting, that same level of professionalism, that same level of respect for another person should always be there unless there is a sense of comfortability between both people. So if there's, if it's understood that flirting is going to occur between a man and a woman and all it is is just flirting, I mean, that's okay. If, if, it's, if it's expected that both people are going to be pushing the envelope as far as what they say and the reactions that they get, that's okay because there's that understanding. But you have to have that understanding of what the limitations and the limits are before you go there. And that requires interaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had enough interactions with you, Ava, that I know how to interact with you in a way that is permissible and what would be not permissible. And I respect that. I, I stay within the boundaries of that interaction because I have the utmost respect for you. And because I have that respect, I'm going to make sure that I, I don't do anything that would diminish the respect you have for me or the way that you see me, because I don't want to harm the relationship that we have. And as long as the idea of, I want to be respectful to our interaction, regardless of what that might be, and it could be as far as two people in the workplace who secretly go into the mailroom to have a nooner. I mean, if that's, if that's what's expected in the relationship, what's understood, hey, as long as you don't get caught, it doesn't violate the workplace uh, rules and laws. I mean, no harm, no foul. But if what you're doing is, goes against one person's view of how the relationship is structured, then yes, it becomes a problem especially if it's, if it continues on. And this could be to man to woman, woman to man, man to man, woman to woman. It doesn't matter because it's not so much about the, the gender. It's about the respect of the relationship that is, is created. So basically the most important thing, and I would I wish, I wish that, um, that women would listen to this because the most important thing, develop your values really know your Mm. values and know your boundaries and don't uh, play the victim, but uh, stand up on that moment when it happens. Because if you are stepping away, if somebody says something that you are not comfortable with and it's becoming really, really hard to know where is that fine line that what you accept from a man to tell you and what you don't accept, but to react to everything I think it's ludicrous. You are you are just put, setting yourself up for, for to be unhappy and bitter and uh, and against men basically, because you don't believe that they can have respect for you. 
there's a great movie that I love. Um, I, I love. I like making, making movie references because I watch a lot of movies. So one of my favorite movies to illustrate this point is Liar Liar. And well, um, after um, Jim Carrey's character is made so that he can't lie, gets into a, a, an elevator with a beautiful woman. And they're talking back and forth. And she says, yeah, everyone's been really nice to me. It is, yeah, well, that's because you have, you have big boobs. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> you remember that. Yeah. So there, there are a number of ways that this could have gone. I mean, if, if she had said, I really don't appreciate that, that comment. It could have been true, but I mean, if if she didn't, if she found that offensive, which she did, and he sees that and he tries to recover, but he just keeps on digging himself a bigger hole, bigger hole, bigger hole, because of the way that he saw that woman in that moment, mm-hmm. and just creating a worse dynamic, even though she um, did not appreciate that. It's that, that that's really what what but um many people have come to decide that workplace relationships can often be which is a shame because that that's an exaggerated example that comes from a movie most most workplace interactions don't um have that kind of of dynamic mm-hmm. and when it does if you say i i'm I, I really don't appreciate what you have said that makes me uncomfortable but let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, women, they go for a date or they go out, they, they're going to meet with men, they know that it's going to be an, a big event and they doll themselves up to the max. Makeup, uh, they put on the high heels, they, they uh, get the dress that it's tight fitting and shows their, their figures and they are very proud, maybe they worked very hard, but somebody comes and says something and they blow up. They blow it, depends up. On, it depends on what was said. Um, if it was something that, that sexualized them because of the way they looked, then yeah, they have absolutely every right to blow up because a woman should not be reduced to her to being sexualized. But this goes back to another to one of the first things that I had said that women from a young age are taught that they are supposed to be sexualized. They are focused on their looks, and their looks make themselves more attractive to to men than anything else it, it, it is it is an easy way to get men's attention for a woman who is proud of the work that she has done because she is is really showing her beauty because that's her right that is absolutely her right to show what the the person that she is flaunt it if you got it it is not her right to be harassed by someone who has taken her hard work the belief that, that she has herself, her confidence, and use it against her by reducing her to asexualization. But you know what? Listen to some of the songs, which I cannot listen to. I, I'm, I'm really like allergic. Like there is a song and it's playing constantly. If I'm in my sister's car, she, she has it on. It's called, uh, it says, uh, I love your body and uh, whatever it's, and everything is about the body. Mm-hmm. And if you see the music uh, videos, if you see certain things that uh, some games, everything is made in a way to sexualize women and to, to let them know that that's the only value they have. But I think men and women, we are 
both on, on some of the sides that we don't want to be. We know what we want. Like I was uh, raised in old school, you know, like you are the, you are the woman and uh, you you dress up, but you're not, not too trashy. You don't um, you don't demand attention, but you are who you are. But now I see in the younger generation that companies they're making high heels for girls who are seven years old, which is very very bad for their back. But they put makeup, they make makeup for them. They don't let them be who they are. How we can, I know it's the parents' job, the peer pressure are so strong that the parents, they are on the losing side. How could we change that? What can we do about that? So this, this goes into a much deeper conversation that is equally as important as what we're talking about right now. Um, and this has to do with the conditioning of females to see themselves in a certain way. And by understanding that there is conditioning happening in order to pigeonhole a specific gender into believing that their worth is only one thing, this makes it a lot easier to reframe the way that parents talk to their children. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of information about that that talks about sexualization. I mean, th there's a song out there called WAP, and it stands for wet ass. Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it is a song just about sex. And that, that's it, about, about sex, about, about uh, being superficial, about only caring about a man's um, credit rating or the credit card or the money that they have so that a woman can spend it and just, you know, put out. And it, it's, it's the most revolting song I've ever heard in my entire life. And the ability to educate children, especially both men, both boys and girls and say, hey, this, this is not okay. The, the, the trash that you are hearing is abusing, emotionally abusing women. Yeah. And it's your job as women to really stand up for yourself, know your worth, and really protect yourself in the best ways possible. And for men to really understand what a woman's true value is and protect it. Make it so that it doesn't, it doesn't get violated in the worst ways. That's why we were talking about how important the fathers are too. The fathers can teach their sons what is appropriate and seeing in the household, how, how is the interaction between the mother and the father. I think they can learn a lot. Um, still, I'm, I'm saying that um, communities and, and old values are still one of the best ones because you, 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 are, you know that you are responsible and you're going to do everything to help your, your daughter and your son. And I find that also I'm going to bring another subject that is uh, it's, um, quite relevant in these days that women, you, you hear that, oh, she slept her way all the way to the top. And women make a conscious decision. Yes, the boss might want you, but you make a conscious decision in order to advance to to be intimate with that, uh, with your boss. And after you turn around and you start screaming that, oh, 
he took advantage of me and he raped me. It was a case and it wasn't about a boss, but about a boyfriend that the woman said that the boyfriend raped her and it wasn't even true and the guy went to jail. And it's like, what is wrong with these pictures? It's like, you are, you are responsible. You made the choice. You cannot always blame another person for whatever happens because you were a part of it. You cannot tango only one person. You need two people. Yeah. Um, there, there's a bunch of dynamics in there that, that are at play. Um, as far as rape allegations, I believe that every single rape allegation that is reported should have an unbiased and thorough investigation process that either um, refutes or supports the claim. And if the claims are false, heavy punishment should be given to someone who gives a false rape allegation, just as heavy punishments should exist for those who do, in fact, rape or sexually assault women. Absolutely. It's, it has to go both ways. Mm-hmm. And as far as a woman who is willing to use her sexuality as a means to create influence. The problem here is that the moment that you give yourself in that way, you devalue yourself. And it's very hard for someone who you've influenced in a familiar way like that to have the same kind of respect for you that they did before that happened. Yeah. uh, The boss might, might see you as being a sexual, uh, as, as being a sexual object. But as you said, it is your responsibility to either curb that or indulge in it. If you indulge in it, the, the professional relationship is broken. And now you, you've created a familiar relationship. And once you're familiar, it's almost impossible to ever get back to professional again. Because there's a level of intimacy that is reached that you just can't take back. And so it's important for women to really understand the implications of what goes on when they say yes to that kind of dynamic. Yeah, the gains are short-term, but what is a long-term effect? And this is, this is the real question that really needs to be asked of everyone. Instead of looking at the short-term gains, what is the long-term effect? And are you willing to, to endure the consequences that are going to be long-term? Because the effects are long-term. The gain is only going to be short-term, but once that gain is done, you're still left with the consequences of those actions, which ripple far and wide. And so having the mind and awareness of what those long-term effects could possibly be, if you keep them in your mind, you, you discipline yourself enough to understand what they could be and how they could affect you, either positively or negatively, I think this is going to be the thing that really helps people make better decisions. You know what said that women who cry wolf actually don't help the women who really went through that terrible ordeal. I don't know, it, it's, it's something really broken in the system and I would like women to stand up for what is right. Everything cannot be about me, it has to be about the bigger picture and about the bigger, uh, you know, about society. And we have to be more, we don't have to, but it would be nice to be kinder and more understanding and supporting each other. Let men to be men, let women to be women. And don't try for women to be the men because you're never going to be the man. You don't have the 
testosterone that drives men basically. Absolutely. And I think it goes further than that because we have only one responsibility. There's only one thing that we have to do. And that thing is to treat other people as human beings. Before you see them as male or female, you have to see them as human beings. And before you see them as their race, their culture, their creed, their ethnicity, their their religious stature, before any of that, they are a human being first. And to give them that respect of knowing that they are humans and that they deserve to be treated as such. If we did more of that and we saw that we are all, we basically are all really the same in the fact that we all have this, we all think in the same ways, usually. And most of us have, we react to the same kinds of feelings and have the same emotional uh, reactions as everyone else. And we all have come from something that has given us a certain motivation to act in a certain way. If we can keep those three things in mind, we can do so much better to treat each other with the respect and the dignity that we deserve of being human beings. And that's, that's first and foremost. That's absolutely true. I think we have a long way to go. We have to, I don't, I don't even know what to say about, uh, about the schools, how they, uh, they talk about the genders. Uh, but I heard that uh, many times it's everything that when it's when happens that it's um, for for the girls the explaining things for the girls at the universities always is the man's fault. I don't think it's anybody's fault and it's everybody's fault. I think we have to step in and see how uh, we can um, we can be the best we can for who we are. Me as a woman, you as a man. Mm-hmm. I agree. And as long as we recognize that other people are doing the best they can as well with what they have, if we recognize that they're doing the same thing we are, mm-hmm. we, can re- we can respect them for just being who they are because no one's perfect and we all have our own things that we're dealing with. And just by respecting the fact that this person Something happened to this person that made them um, react the way that they did. And we don't have to understand it. We don't have to analyze it. All we have to do is understand that something happened and that, and that caused that person to, to be who, who they are. And it, it, that is, that's just how it is. Something happened. And now this person is acting this way. We no longer, we no longer dehumanize them. We actually see, see them as more as human. Because we realize that every single one of us is a result of our past punishment and reward and how we have internalized that and made it a part of who we are. Yeah. If we can do that, it's, it's a much easier way for us to um, be empathetic towards others. And it's our, I mean, we have a choice. It's our job to, uh, to accept it or reject it. That's it. There is no other way. What do you mean? If we don't like somebody, how they behave, it's my job to accept that person or stay away from that person. I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be confrontational, but uh, it's up to me what, what I choose. 
I would say that it's up to you to to choose how you interact with them. Yes. The the thing that th- there is no choice in is to accept the fact that they are who they are because of what they've endured. Mm-hmm. Accept that and either interact with it or move on. I think that's that's what you're trying to say. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Anyway, I I really had lots of fun talking about this subject and. I hope that feminism, it goes back to what was supposed to be about helping each other, about supporting each other, about being kind to each other and, uh, and being happy that all the achievements that uh, our ancestors achieved through the period of time, I think from the twenties until now. So the only thing we can do is be alert know that uh, we have choices, know that we can say no. Uh, we don't have to be that, that, uh, that's, that constipated, basically, that if somebody says something nice to reject it or to be mean and, uh, and answer back in a certain way. So what is your take on last words? So the one thing that we cannot do is control how other people, how other people react or how they respond, how they act, how they feel, what they believe. All we can really control is the way that we internalize it. And then what we do with that when we interact with them or even with others. And the moment we decide to try to control other people's reactions, thoughts, and feelings, we, we abandon our own power. We become powerless because we are not focusing on the things that we have control over. And it, 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 it is the one thing that will do more to harm society than anything else. The moment you accept the fact that a person is going to act the way they act because of who they are and who they were, and then either just move on or interact with it, the, the better off we will be as people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Can you tell how people can reach you? And I'm going to also put it uh, in writing, but if you would like to mention it. Sure. You can reach me at jason at relatum.com. Um, you can also schedule an appointment to work with me uh, at relatum.com forward slash, forward slash connection, or you can find me on Facebook at relatum.coach. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Happy New Year. We just uh, met this year first time on the podcast. So all the best. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Eva, the Relationship Maker podcast about women and about feminism. And um, I hope you had fun. Please don't hesitate to ask questions from me and from Jason. I'm going to leave all the information on, uh, on the site. So goodbye.
This is Eva, aka Eva, the Relationship Maker Podcast Creator, where we talk about overcoming struggles, about triumphs, successes, relationships, and lives in general.